Hi, I'm Alexander Young. Hi, I'm Daniel Mullins. And I'm Jim Stormdancer, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Alexander, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Hi. Uh, you know, for those who haven't heard me before, I am a uh, professor of mathematics, and uh, I would like to plug preventative care. And if you don't have that, I would like to plug ibuprofen. How do you prevent headaches? So the, the backstory is I finally, my COVID lucky streak ran out this weekend. So, um, Yikes. yeah, but I, I'm all, you know, I'm all better. Um, I managed to get, uh, I also plug, um, again, this is very much dependent on what kind of, you know, medical care and insurance you have, which, you know, you know, I check whatever privilege we have, I guess on that, but, um, got a virtual appointment. It was really quick. Uh, the lady was very nice and helpful. Uh, she got me Paxlovid treatment. And um, I went and, and you got better in like four days. Uh, if that, yeah, only took a couple. Dang! But um, I did get this like chest pain after doing a remote lecture, and uh, I called her up again, and she said, "Go to the emergency room because you have COVID and chest pains." And uh, you know that's serious. Yeah. So I did, and um, nothing was wrong. But it's like you know it happened again the next day, and it's really nice not wondering if I was going to suddenly have a heart attack. Yeah. Being able to go to the hospital, to the ER, that's nice. Yeah. Again, not everyone can do this. Not everyone has the money or means to do this. But um, if you do, getting preventative care is a... There are some people out there that don't do it because they're just lazy. And I'm calling those people out specifically. <laughs> uh, and uh, Daniel, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to, pl anything to plug? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm also... I, have, I think I have a COVID lucky streak. I might have... Like, I've never officially had it. Like, I've never had the positive mm. test say that I've had it. Although there's a few times where I suspected I have it and I was getting false negatives. But, mm. but, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll keep your advice in mind. The thing I'll plug, uh, recently played a game called Cocoon that was mind-blowingly good. And I will plug that because that's the only thing I could think of. And maybe it doesn't need a plug because there's already people online raving about how cool it is. But I'm still riding high off of that. Game. I mean, I've never heard of it. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, yeah. I I think it it's it deserves like it it has done well, but it deserves to be like a blockbuster success. Like it's I'm so having the sobering realization I don't know how to spell that word. <laughs> I kept putting two C's when talking about it, and it's one, I believe, right? Okay. It's, okay, it's three it's just O's, C's, and an N. That just yeah. seems too simple. <laughs> yeah. For some reason I do a thing where words that have two of the same letter in a different part, I always add two letters somewhere else. I was like C O U. No, Achilles heel. Oh, this looks this looks cool. Yeah, it's it's it gets amazing. Like you basically carry um these little orbs on your back, your little moth guy, and um, at times you can put down the orbs and then jump inside of them and their little worlds. And um, once you start juggling several of them and nesting them within each other in different ways, the puzzles can be when you like have that eureka moment of what you're meant to do with these mm. orbs, like it can be like sort of ecstatic, like especially near the very end. It, it really, and it, it has like boss battles that you wouldn't expect that are really clever. And um, they, mm. they require some dexterity, but they're also sort of puzzles. Yeah. I can't yeah. say enough about it. I've definitely heard people complain about the boss battles. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I guess it can be frustrating in a game that requires no, like manual dexterity and is a more mm. of a cerebral puzzle game to just be like, Oh, here now you have to, you know, do a bit of platforming or platforming adjacent kind of stuff. I, I could get that being kind of a, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. So Cocoon Facts, Wilford Brimley was 49 when he starred in Cocoon. <laughs> are you going to go with Wilford Brimley was 49 when he finished pupating. <laughs> oh, man. Nobody, nobody has seen Cocoon? No, I haven't. He didn't have a mustache when he was just a larva. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> this was the movie that gave Wilford Brimley the reputation of, like, having always been old because he was playing like a, a retiree. And then he appeared to stay the same age for like 40 years. Are we ready to start on some topics? Yeah, I would say so. Alexander, your topic is octopus dreams. So yeah, this was a, um, a really interesting um, article I read recently. And I, I think it was pretty interesting because of the, I think there's some hidden implications in there. So uh, it turns out that octopus for those not in the know about our eight armed friends are, um, they're probably the smartest invertebrate. They have very, um, they show very human qualities of problem solving and getting bored and making up games to play and, um, figuring out like how to use all their eight arms and, uh, really, you know, really good, uh, camouflage and, um, that kind of stuff. So they're really fascinating things. But um, they recently discovered that octopus dream when they sleep. And uh, they figured this out because octopus have direct neural lines from their brain to their skin. So they can just instantly change colors immediately. It's just it's like watching a light turn on and off. And um, and they do it for communication. They do it to like signal to others about food or danger. And they noticed that those neurons would go off during sleep time, including like the certain color changing neurons to warn others of danger or predators. So not only do they have dreams, like specific dreams, they have nightmares. And yeah. the reason I'm interested in this is because what it's a, like, we're not really sure why we do this. Um, we know that a lot of other animals, like other mammals, we sleep and dream, but is it because we need to, or because we just kind of evolved that way. Yeah. The underlying question is, does any intelligent life need to sleep and dream? Is it is something that is it prerequisite to having a big, important sensory brain or is it not? Yeah, that is cool. Every, the, the, the fact that everything sleeps seems to indicate that it's necessary because I feel like this would have to be a, a big coincidence for it to just happen to happen to be that everything sleeps right well it'd be a very big disadvantage to (laughs) i mean it's a huge hugely vulnerable thing to do and if you didn't have to do it it would i don't see how everything would still be doing it you know yeah i I really like the 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 color changing thing it's like their equivalent of rapid eye movement right um and they they might do that too i didn't i'm not a specialist obviously but um but it's also like um just kind of a counterpoint to that um the way the eyeballs work i think of pretty much all vertebrates is the um well the the optic nerve comes into the eyeball and attaches on the inside when it doesn't need to do this and in an octopus it attaches on the outside and that just gives it better vision in general so sometimes we evolve things and they just get stuck because there's no real way to fix them immediately without messing right. up everything yeah so Dreams could have been that they could have been like some system that mammals or, you know, the predecessors evolved and was stuck with as this weird thing they do. But I don't think if you go back to the common ancestor of mammals and mollusks, 
that creature had much of a brain and I don't think that creature would have dreamt. So it's not just that we both do it. It's that it looks like we both independently evolved this, which is much more interesting than realizing our immediate um, uh, uh, the mammals and the other vertebrates do. Because we could have just evolved that once for some reason and kept it. Right, right. It's like evolving eyes. Yeah. I think it's especially cool that even like there was sort of a convergent evolution to intelligence that, yeah, like you say, the common ancestor between a human and an octopus is yeah. a very basic creature. Some kind of like, I don't know, yeah. like, like a flatworm or something. I don't know. But like it, it, way, way, way early that, that oh, yeah? okay. back in the Cambrian yeah. or something, it was just really, really long time ago. It really suggests, I mean, like a, that uh, if you, found some other planet with complex life that you'd almost certainly find intelligent animals there yeah. at some point. They would have playfulness. Yeah. And like, and like jokes. Yeah, exactly. They, they might have dreams. I mean, it might be that just a side effect of having vision that if you go to a planet where like things are dark or opaque and there's no, like there's no perception that way they might not, but it's like, yeah, that's interesting that to process all that visual information, it looks like at the very least we can talk, you know, if we talk to them, we can just ask each other, Hey, do y'all dream? What are you yeah. dreaming about? What is your dreams like? Yeah. And they might come back with something like, well, we don't so much sleep as hibernate for three days at a time, but yeah, we got dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Our brood mother dreams for us or something weird yeah. like that. I don't know, but uh, we, we could at least have a starting conversation. <laughs> What's the verdict on insect sleep? Do they sleep? I actually didn't know. That. Oh, they I don't, don't know. I, it might be the thing that nobody knows, uh, but I don't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we know if they sleep. Right? The, the dreaming is another question. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, well, I would seem to like go dormant for a while. I just searched for do bugs sleep, and I, apparently they do. Okay, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I've been skimming the rest of this page, and I haven't seen anything else interesting to say. So it's interesting. I mean, like, because it's a it's a prerequisite of having some sort of brain but like it's not like a like like very simple organisms with no brain or like whatever like a precursor to a brain they don't need to sleep right well actually i might be i again it was a long time i i looked this up but apparently box jellyfish sleep oh wow they don't have brains i mean they have like nerves and ganglia but they don't have what we would call a centralized brain okay yeah, but they have to rest, I guess. Yeah, they have eyes. Oh wow! They just do things differently. <laughs> yeah. Are are you are we all in agreement that like if there was another planet that could support complex life, even if it was like made of different particles or something, that we would see patterns that were like quite similar, maybe to what we see on Earth, like provided the conditions of the planet were like you know the the same type of gravity and or the same general constraints, like. You think we'd we'd see convergent things like legs because legs are just functionally useful and stuff like that. I would actually say absolutely not. Okay. Because um I could pinpoint out a whole bunch of other creatures on Earth that aren't like fully intelligent but show a lot of promise. Okay. And I could point out elephants, crows, ants, octopus. All of those have either tool using or rudiment, even rudimentary domestication of other animals or uh, like um, use social, um, uh, like a hierarchy or patterns or like working together. Like ants build things, humans build things. There aren't many other animals that do that. 
those animals are nothing like us. Dolphins, another example. Yeah, nothing yeah. like us. Dolphins don't have legs. True. I don't think we can really put any expectations because even on Earth, with the same atmosphere and gravity and stuff, it, we have all all kinds of possible potential ways of, uh, of uh, you know evolving into something smart. Yeah, I guess I was thinking more not specifically intelligence, but just like the I guess just the idea that due to the laws of physics, some mechanisms are like the optimal way to, to do something like, like a leg, right? Like it rather than yeah. sliding on your belly, but then I guess of course there's snakes. So maybe that that's, um, I mean, I could see a, like, you know, t- take the crows thing. Cause they're, they're pretty intelligent and have, uh, and communicate. I mean, there if there's another alien life with intelligent life like them they could say well of course intelligent life would have to fly how would right, we do right, anything right. if we couldn't do that like how would we use three dimensions <laughs> how would you do x y and z there's all kinds of stuff that we're probably just yeah. super bad at we just don't think about it yeah oh yeah if we met that species we could ask them and they could give us a definitive answer to whether uh y should be up or z should be up <laughs> <laughs> Strangely, they have exactly the same alphabet. (laughs) (laughs) Are we uh, ready for another topic? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Daniel, your topic is perception of memories. Why does actual recency and perceived recency often seem so at odds? So I I mentioned before the show that I I don't really have a strong spiel to lead this topic with, other than just an observation. I think that's because I was like trying to rattle off some topics, and I, I couldn't think of much, but I was just thinking about how... Things that happened a year ago can feel more recent than something that happened like two weeks ago, or maybe, maybe maybe that's too extreme. But I just find that for me that there's this weird distortion where, especially if you go further back, where the further away something is is not necessarily correlated to how it feels. Maybe that's just me. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I wouldn't say recency. I would just say the. Maybe the immediacy or the vividness of the memory. Mm, yeah. And like, I've definitely noticed like things that happen that are, that feel very important in the moment, they, they stick better. Mm. Things that, and things that happen like when you're young stick better. Yeah, that's true. Man, the, the sheer volume, the, the, the number of megabytes in my head that apparently still remember every toy commercial that played about five times an hour on kids TV shows back in the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> r- ridiculous. Or like, uh, it's, I think it happens to me with like people who I don't see that often where I have this, I saw a friend who I hadn't seen and it turned out it had been a year, but I, I couldn't fathom that how it had been a year. And I was like, surely it's been like six months or three months or something. And then I think I was comparing that to another person who I hadn't seen in a while. And, and I had seen them more recently, but it felt like, oh, I haven't seen them like <laughs> a decade or something. Uh, I do think that especially as you as you get older, your perception of time yeah, it, gets wonky compared to what you're used to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think doing it, it seems to be for me, like uh, the perception of time seems strongly related to having a routine and doing similar things every day on a daily or weekly schedule. It almost seems like if I'm in a phase of life where I'm doing like a very strict schedule with even like weekly things or even monthly things built into like a grander and grander schedule, it feels almost like I'm fast forwarding 
through time. Oh, I've definitely mm-hmm. noticed that. Yeah. And then if I go on like a vacation or something for two weeks, every moment, maybe, just, maybe that's the director of your life deciding, well, we got to montage this. It <laughs> kind of feels like it. Yeah. You can't show this all on screen. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Well, I do think that's, it's related to like, if things seem less interesting, if there's less new, yeah. then they don't stick as well. I had the same thing. Um, and I actually, you have used this information to like affect my life plans. I, I've told this story on the show before, but you know, for your, for your benefit, uh, cause I want to help you. Um, <laughs> this was something that I noticed in my twenties was I had had a, I had a day job and it was just kind of like a, a ver- very routine, very comfortable job. And I noticed that time really started to go kind of slip by really quickly or perceptibly. So, and I just assumed this was like, this was just getting older. You know, you blink in your 30, you blink in your 50, you blink in your dead. And it just keeps accelerating because, and it, it, that's intuitive because every year is a smaller fraction of your life than previous years. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think it does. Yeah. Anyway, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Remember when a week was a long time? <laughs> like just, just crushingly long to wait. <laughs> yes. I do remember that. Uh, similarly, do you, have you noticed how weird it is that like things you anticipate, even things you anticipate for a long time, like you've been looking forward to this for literally years, eventually they happen and are in the past? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that is still tripping me out. Yeah. It, it's fucked up. Yeah. Then I got, well, the company went out of business is what happened. Around the same time, Frog Fractions hit and I decided to, try to make a go of making a living, making games. And suddenly my life was like, I didn't know what I was going to be doing day to day. And I also didn't know if I was going to be able to afford to do this a year from now. And suddenly I noticed time passing again, much more slowly. And it was really just, I I think it was really just like, this is, I'm, I'm on an adventure and it feels real. It feels like life is happening to me again in a way that it wasn't before. Mm -hmm. And when my wife got pregnant, I was I, one of the one of the things that made me okay with. It turns out I had uh, you know I had one more game left in me, just like a I was lucky lucky enough to get that one. But the reason I was okay with getting a regular like day job, a steady gig to, to feed to feed my family was that the kid was going to provide the adventure, mm-hmm. and that has definitely been the case. This kid is a handful and continues yeah. to be so. How old is your kid now? He is now five. He turned oh, wow. five. He turned five in September. Yeah. So that's my advice to you. If you want to feel like you have a long life, get a kid. Yeah. yeah that's 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 a, a solid approach. <laughs> okay. Just I'll get that my- That'll be my long my long term clock is just like oh the kid's growing again <laughs> or change to a very tumultuous career. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well. I'm satisfied with that topic unless anyone Yeah. Well, and then also a, a, if a pandemic happens to happen, then that's going to with things. every, every uh, sort of yeah, clock yeah. on how many years have passed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my topic is hike on 58. So this is something that happened when I was a kid. I was watching some other kids play football. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I mean, I, I basically know how football works, but I didn't, I did not understand what was happening and I still don't. Uh, one, one kid said something like hike on 58. And then he just said hike or he said what he said. He said hut 58 times. And we just had to wait for him to say hut 58 times before he hiked the ball. 
Like the, everybody got in formation and then this guy just started saying hut. And is this a rule? Is this something in football where you're just allowed to delay the game as long as you want? Just you know, by- sometimes when you're a kid, doing the same thing over and over doesn't stop being funny. <laughs> yeah. I I don't think my my niece is ever going to get over the nickname she made up for me, no matter how many years pass. <laughs> is it a good one? Uh, she calls me Shooby Dooby Doggy. That's not bad. Pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. But um, she also is uh, like it. It makes her just. It legitimately cracks her up, even though she's. It's been years, and she's done it like thirty times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tag each episode with uh, basically it's a username. Um, so people can find other episodes with the same guest. Uh-huh. I should change yours. The Shooby Dooby Doggy. Yeah. She'd love that. <laughs> How old is she? Uh, she is, uh, like six now. Yeah. It's a good age. Yeah. I don't know what you're describing. First of all, I didn't know this topic was going to be football. Did you? Did you check whether or not any of us know about things about football? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I know enough to say that there's no way this is a real thing. <laughs> I yeah. would, and by that, I mean, I don't know really anything. It's just that I couldn't conceive that that could be. I mean, what you're describing sounds something out of uh, football 70. It's 17776. Oh, you know sure. Yeah. Yes. Where, yeah, you you could end up in a game that lasts for 100 years or longer. Right. right yeah. Because of some weird rule that somebody made in a, a long time ago. Yeah. I guess I could plug the work of John Boyce. Is that how you pronounce yeah. that name? I I I think so. Yeah, it's I don't really care for, you know, traditional sports. Or I guess break I guess any sports, but he's the only one that really makes it interesting for me. Agreed. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he does a series or did in the past a series called Chart Party. Um and he made a video like a 2-hour like basically a feature-length film called The Bob Emergency about the history of athletes named Bob and it is gripping. Why is it an emergency? Oh, it's because uh, there are we're running so out few, of bobs. Yeah, we're running no. out of bobs. There are so few bobs now. Oh, wow. Wait, is it really that? I'm just guessing. It really is. Yeah. Okay. That's a real problem. Oh, I, I, I really like the one he did of um he he hacked one of those NBA games so that it would only when it when it generates new players, it would only make the worst possible players in existence forever. Right, it's, right, right. It's like a case study and this is civilization might be collapsing and you won't notice it for years. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the, the, I guess part of the point of that article was that even after there were so many of these people on the teams, there was still like good basketball being played because those people never made it off, got off the bench. Yeah. Until it was too late. Right. Like it, it, it's a very sudden, it was a very sudden collapse. Yeah. I guess we got to connect this with your topic. Like, you know, maybe football <laughs> will end when people, the best quarterbacks just get stuck in an endless hike. <laughs> To hike the ball, is that to, you know, when you push it into the ground and then shoot it backwards, kind of? Yeah, you, like, throw it between your legs at the quarterback. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that act. I just didn't know it was called yeah. hiking. And that's, that shows how much I... Just yeah, yeah. One bad day where you just say, hike 38 billion, and, you know, that's the end of your career. <laughs> <laughs> it's the end of, it's the, end of the, the sport. Yeah. Good play, though. This is like a – it's like a fil- filibuster. Yeah, and yeah. And that was my – that was what convinced me that, like, this might be a real it thing is that real. it exists in, in politics, which is something that actually matters. Wait, is, is this your is this your history of boxing kind of uh, working its <laughs> way into here? I'm seeing some parallels. Uh, no, but it could be. It could you be might, a sequel. Might have to, might have to tell the, the viewers about that in case they're not familiar. 
Oh, nobody nobody listens to the show who hasn't played Frog Fractions. All right. Okay. Well, I, that's probably not true, actually. There probably are a few people. Mm-hmm. Those people should play Frog Fractions. Yeah. It's the game where you get filibustered. No, it's not. It, and then you'll, then you'll know about the history of boxing. History of boxing, yeah. There's probably like one person who listens to the show who tried to play Frog Fractions and hated it and listens to one, but still wants to hear me anyway. Maybe they're hate listening. Maybe there's one person who's just like, sometimes you get recommended podcasts on your app and it's like, oh, topics. I like those. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And this is the only one where you could hear them being discussed. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You shouldn't discount that as a. If anybody else tries to dis- discuss topics, my lawyers shut that shit yeah. down. <laughs> Uh, are we ready for another topic? Yeah, I, so. I, yeah. I, there's nothing more I can say about this sport. Uh, so for this topic, we're going to be reading this poem, Sonnet 18 by William Shakespeare. Who would like to read this poem? I'll go. All right. Unless you, well, it's your, you suggested it, right? No, uh, you feel free. Feel free. Okay. Okay. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May. Summer's lease hath all too short a date. Sometime too hot the eye of heaven shines, and often is his gold complexion dimmed, and every fair from fair sometime declines, by chance or nature's changing course untrimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, nor lose possession of that fair thou oust, nor shall death brag thou wanderst in his shade, when in eternal lines to time thou growst. So long as men can breathe or eyes can see, so long lives this, and this gives life to thee. That was scary to read just straight out, because uh, some of these, like, abbreviated. Yeah, what is what is oust? I don't even know yeah. what that. I, it, uh, I think that's ownst. Okay. Oh. Like, uh, you own it. Yeah. So, I've already said this about Shakespeare, probably on the show. I'm definitely in life. The guy has, like, a way with a syllable. Like, it is beautiful, but also... To the modern ear, basically nonsense. Oh yeah, I'm a pentameter, right? <laughs> is that what you're is that what you're referencing here? No, I just mean the language. Oh. Yeah, you're, just like antiquated language. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Yeah. Is this actually just like straight it, it none of the words have been changed at all from the original? Oh yeah, they, we don't do that. Like okay. we're, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what we do is we will like we will translate poems from foreign languages into language that we can understand, but we don't yeah, yeah, yeah. translate poems in like early modern English, I think, which yeah, I think yeah. is what this is. Yeah, yeah. Into modern English, like I, yeah. into words we can understand. You're on your own. Yeah. Good uh, luck. Like some of these used to rhyme, but don't anymore, like temperate and date. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. First of all, I, I did have a, I guess uh, I have a topic that didn't make the cut here, maybe another time about um, meter, recognizing meter in just things people say and just but I will we'll save that for another time I guess. Duda duda. I I listened to a podcast called The History of English Language and they just they you just got to Shakespeare so I can actually um Yes, please say it'll enlighten us. So, first of all, interesting stuff about his sonnets. Uh they were written during lockdown. <laughs> um basically, yeah, they uh there was the plague went around, all the theaters were closed and that's when Shakespeare's sonnets all got written. That's cool. Um, cause he, he, he stopped doing plays for a bit. Um, uh, the other thing is, um, fun fact. I mean, we don't know exactly, exactly if this is written about anyone or, you know, who it is, but, uh, one leading theory is that this is about a dude and okay. it's not a dude that Shakespeare's in love with. So, 
around this time, he, uh, the way he got his, um, you know, the way he got his salary is that he got a, he got a wealthy patron, this young nobleman who, um, you know, he, he lived in his house and basically his father was trying to hook him up with a marriage and the kid didn't want to do it. And there's a bunch, there's a number of Shakespeare sonnets around this point that could be interpreted as trying to get the guy to get hitched. Oh, and one interpretation of this one is that you're a young guy. Now's the time you, you should get married and have kids. That's going to be your legacy. Um, yeah, I could see it. Or something like that. There's also like, if you actually put them in chronological order, there's a whole narrative about Shakespeare falling in love with someone and it not working out. And then him like getting a rival or falling out with his patron and having a lot of harsh words about that. Oh, he's really into this woman with dark eye or dark hair or like dark something or other. I forget what it was. And then, oh, she has another lover. Oh, oh, woe is, woe is me, etc. Seems like the poem's saying that, uh, that the subject will like, they'll never be um, yeah. any so less beautiful. I don't, I don't know. Of. Maybe I'm remembering this wrong or something is, we're missing some kind of subtext here. Or it could just not be about anyone. Maybe this is just was on his mind. Yeah. Sounds nice. Yeah. It does. I, I do like how um, the past tense words have those apostrophes to show that it's not untrimmed, it's untrimmed, even though we wouldn't pronounce that anyway. <laughs> mm. You mean that they would pronounce it untrimmed otherwise? Yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. It's interesting. We need, uh, we need that for Piss Jug Man. <laughs> we, we have the apostrophe to, to, to make it Piss Jugman. To make the pronunciation clear, yeah. it sounds like it's a profession. Like, uh, oh yeah, he's my uh, he's my local jugman. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I guess you know you were saying how uh, like temperate used to be pronounced temperate. Would would this kind of thing be one of the only clues to that pronunciation? That's a good question. I don't know. They're probably okay. Well, I mean, there were other poets at the time. Yeah, but poetry maybe being one of the few things that could reveal that. It's sort of like, I bet we could figure out that phonetically it was probably something else because we have a whole picture of how vowels tend to change. And mm, yeah. also it was, it would have been spelled different ways based on how it sounded to people. Right, right. Yeah. There wasn't like a standardized spelling. Yet. This would, this is valuable in saying, well, at Shakespeare's time, it was still done this way. We yeah, can yeah. put a pin on that evolution right there. Also, people were writing directly about the English language. There were people around this time trying to, like, make phonetic reforms that didn't take. So we get some, like, you know, they sometimes they just straight up tell us how things were pronounced. Now I'm skimming search results for the great vowel shift, looking for how we know that it happened. Yeah. Like, this Wikipedia page is just, like, all about why it happened and what it what and what it was I, I, if i had to guess i'd probably just say changing in spellings that's yeah but right right because well well maybe not spelling only got standardized in the past what couple of hundred years right with print mm -hmm. and so people would change how they spelled words based on how they pronounced them differently but the meaning of the written vowels changed along with the, the pronunciation yeah but it's a matter of like Sometimes they spell things weird or wrong, and they would only do it if the vowels were doing a certain thing. Oh, sure. Yeah. For example, they, um, you know, the ancient Egyptian language, the one with the hieroglyphs, um, they never wrote down any vowels at all, ever. 
Mm-hmm. So we're kind of, it's kind of a lot of guesswork based on foreign languages and related languages and vowel shifts. And also ancient Egyptian history is very, 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 very long. So they things were changing anyway. Yeah. So we've basically given up, uh, like we can try to reconstruct some words, but whenever you see an Egyptian name written out, they're not even writing the vowels. It's not like they're guessing. They're I having didn't know this- they were even writing the consonants. I thought it was like a, a pictographic, like system like uh nope it's the consonants and a okay. kind of like emoji like word at the end summarizing the um, emoji like symbol at the end summarizing the which whole which is word. the hieroglyph they're all hieroglyphs no you, you okay, see, okay. see some symbols and some means letters and then one okay, the end gotcha, gotcha. tells you more context cool are we uh ready for another topic i think so seems like it uh daniel your topic is world of warcraft over the years slash wow hardcore mode uh yeah yeah it's something i've been playing with my friends recently uh the new wow classic uh which is like the original 2004 game with no expansions and very minor like quality of life upgrades uh but hardcore mode where if you die uh your character that you may have poured several days of your lifetime into is gone uh which to me is exciting oh wow that's that's new <laughs> that didn't exist when i played it yes that is that's a new thing they kind of they they had wow classic which they released like uh in recent years I don't know, a couple of years three years four years ago and that was a thing and, and just recently they added these hardcore servers to that sort of uh, brand of wow and uh i started playing it like in wrath of lich king when i was younger and then um I, I kind of played it a little bit after that, a few expansions later, and then in recent years, I've kind of gone back in and, and seen the, the, the very most recent stuff, and it's quite a harsh contrast between what it currently is and going to this WoW Hardcore mode or WoW Classic, where it, it just seems like the total philosophy of the game has been, and maybe this is a trend more broadly in games, uh, is just to like smooth off any rough edges or peculiarities or really any difficulty to the point where it's this like streamlined experience yeah. um, that I think kind of robs you a little bit of the satisfaction of like stumbling and learning the game, but it, it is definitely undeniably less of a grind. I don't know. I, I find the, the classic kind of cool and nostalgic, even though I never played that very early version of the game, uh, but it's sort of, it feels nostalgic of a, yeah, and, and World of Warcraft at the time in 2005 was itself extremely modern and streamlined. Yeah, compared to like MMOs that were yeah 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 that it dis- that it displaced like EverQuest. Yeah, and and Ultima Online especially. I mean, the conceit of the of the permadeath is, I mean, it's clearly aping what happens in real life when you die. <laughs> they might be taking some inspiration from that. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, we can forgive them for that. But it's just sort of like I'm thinking like, okay, well, then what else happens in real life? And in real life, most people decide, oh, adventuring is too dangerous. I'm just going to stay at home, get a job, have kids. You know, maybe I'll have an adventure in my life, but hopefully not more than one because I'll die. Yeah. (laughs) So imagine a server full of people just kind of like chilling at the bar and, (laughs) you know, like uh, watching their kids run around and like doing the farm stuff. Surprisingly, it's almost the opposite where I experienced this like sort of fight club thing where people were dueling to the, there's a, they added a feature where you could duel to the death where it's not just a duel, which normally leaves the parties alive, but with like one health. Uh, but now there's a duel of the death where you will, you will end their career <laughs> as a result. Of the wow. Duel. And there is like this, like this, this ring of people in this town and the barons 
um, like watching this this go down. And the orc the orc word in uh, World of Warcraft is Macora. So there is this huge Macora ring happening in it, and I just thought that was just a a fun thing that I wouldn't have expected to that, see. That sounds deranged to me. Yeah, it was everyone screaming and then uh, <laughs> it's gladiator. It's blood sport. The stakes were, it was like level 20. So that like, wow. they might've been playing for like 12, 14 hours. So it's not nothing to lose. Oh, I thought you were going to say that, but years or something. Like no, no, no. I mean, but there is a, an officially sanctioned Macora tournament for level 60 characters. Surely it's like, I don't, I don't know, but like days to a week of playtime. Yeah. And, that, and they're, wow. they're dueling to okay. the death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back, back. I guess if your your life is a week old, then it is less. Of, <laughs> yeah. uh, but a week of a week of playtime. So your human life, in order to to amount that many hours, is at least like if you were doing it even eight hours a day. That's that's a lot of time. Also, I just want to camp out for a second. Like six level sixty is like a couple of days. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> that shit took like six months or a year when I started playing. But I was saying of, of like of play time, like like oh, like I see twenty four hours. Time, I see, I that's see. That's a day. That's what I yes, mean. Yes, I yeah. see what you mean. Yeah. Okay, that, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe it's days because uh, people know how to like really power level nowadays. But uh, I surely right. you could you could easily go six months if you were just kind of stumbling through it for the first time. Right, and oh, <laughs> only playing casually and. Yeah, yeah. So I, I remember a thing that happened with WoW. They streamlined f- finding a group for a dungeon. Yeah. To the point where like you would you wouldn't even like have to talk to people. Yeah, I find that to be a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, you would have to. You would just like say I I want a group for this dungeon, and then everybody would teleport there basically yeah. immediately, and it would it would automatically form you into into a balanced group. And this is a much better experience if you want to like if you don't have a lot of time and you want to just have a dun- you just want to do a dungeon yeah yeah but when i was playing wow the thing that i liked about it was being in a place yeah mm. like I, I was spending time in this world and enjoying that and the difficulty and the time spent putting a group together to do a dungeon was part of the fun Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, like that was part of the experience, and it made uh, you know it made you value that time more. Yeah, like the the time actually doing the content. Yeah, if it, it, it can't really feel like a world if traversing it is trivial, right? Like the the whole idea that you had to get a group together, but then you also had to get to the dungeon, and there yeah. would be a summoning stone there. But I think it required like one or two people to use the stone to pull someone in so you'd have someone would have to get there physically get there by some means and then the party could start to assemble yeah and and nowadays it's it's so streamlined that it's almost to the point of absurdity where so now any players from any server or any level can join into a party together and and if you, like you would ask mm-hmm. like how how would a higher level lower level play together they've they sort of normalize all the values to be the same and so it's it's just like no friction and there's it's just like uh like every effort is made to make it as slick as possible and people yeah like you say they just run them in like five minutes they even like i think truncated a lot of the older dungeons to be like these more streamlined things where you just like hold the w key and and cruise through it (laughs) i i do like that like apparently the dungeons are scaled to your level or or maybe maybe it's the other way around but it doesn't really matter your level is scaled to the dungeon (laughs) yeah because you know 
some of that content from early on was really good, and you just yeah. never see it again after your level. That's true. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so that's nice that that you can go go back and and re replay that stuff as a as a higher level character. Yeah. But yeah, like I assume they're they're doing all this stuff because people like it. Yeah. They're making all these changes because people want them. Well, there's a difference. In, yeah, p- there's a difference between people wanting it and people liking it. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's hard to not it, like if something makes something immediately easier. It's hard like, to not. You want to uh, go up in levels, but do you actually like it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I have too much more to say about about that, but um, I do recommend for anyone who's nostalgic about World of Warcraft to try the hardcore mode because some of the most fun I've had playing it. Um, just like it's it, it's a pretty tedious game, and like <laughs> at times, uh, and like. It, it turns trivial situations into like really pulse pounding moments where it's just like even pulling a yeah. second, a second centaur and you're like, Oh my God. Oh, I'm fucked now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh shit. That guy's got horse legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That does sound cool. I'm never going to do it. Yeah. But, fair enough. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I, I gave up like, I, I quit World of Warcraft the way people quit smoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I remember hearing about is that you can play the the original like WoW as it was, like a, like an like an amusement park. You yeah. visit ancient WoW and you play what what it used to be. And I'm wondering, like, do they have do they have that just for the original, or for is it is there one for every every era of updates? Well, not for every era, but they they did a weird thing where they that initial wow classic that they released a few years ago they they kind of kept to the original schedule of expansions they eventually added burning crusade and then wrath of the lich king and so now there's wrath of the lich king classic and there's classic classic that like split at the point of those expansions but then yeah if you take it to its logical conclusion they'll just keep adding expansions until like however many years delayed it catches up until now but um i don't think that's the plan i think they're stopping at wrath because um the Cataclysm expansion was sort of a point of a lot of changes that I guess it would feel like a point where it would become more modern uh, yeah. to the extent that you, it wouldn't really feel like classic. Anymore. It sounds like it would be a maintenance nightmare. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but Blizzard has plenty of employees. They do. So. Yeah. <laughs> are, we, uh, are we ready for another topic? Yeah. Sure. Uh, Alexander, your topic is the highest honor you can receive in mathematics is to have your name uncapitalized. Yeah. So, I mean, I read this a while ago, so I, you know, there might be some details I'm getting wrong. Um, but, um, there is a, a term, uh, like D- Daniel, you mentioned this while we were setting up about like, oh, does it mean it's really common? And the answer is actually no. Mm-hmm. Uh, the term is abelian, A B E L I A N. It's about a certain type of group and group theory that has a certain property, but it's named after a Norwegian guy named Abel. And it's, not capitalized. Hmm. So if you think about it, getting your name into an adjective is kind of a big deal. Hmm. It's one thing to discover something. It's another thing to have like a class of stuff or a certain property named after you mm-hmm. forever. I can think of a few examples. I mean, you've got Euclidean spaces, you've got Neutherian or Neutherian, however you pronounce that, um, algebras and Artinians, um, there's Galois theory, which is a branch of math named after some guy. That's big, but I don't think that's quite the same level as getting an adjective 
named after you. And to have it capitalized really means that it's not a hard and fast rule. I can't really think of many other examples of this at all. But basically, the highest honor you could have is to become a thing, which is kind of the opposite of how you would think honor works or what people would like. Because usually mm-hmm. when a person becomes a thing, that's dehumanizing. But in math, things are bigger than people. Mm-hmm. Like this is a property of of abstract concepts that will always exist and on some level has always existed. This is a, this is a universal thing. It is an upgrade to become a impersonal property of math over a person. This is like genericizing a brand. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Like Like Kleenex. Kleenex. Xerox. Used to be, used to be a brand, but now it's just like, it's the word for a tissue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or Frisbee or Google. It's, it is so ubiquitous that it is now just a regular word. It's become part of the language as opposed yeah. to being like a company. Yeah. And the brands hate this, but it's, it's, it's a great honor. Yeah. My, my, my thought on it is, is when do, cause the, I can think of examples of, of when I'm pretty sure it remains capitalized. Like in talking about like films, people will say they're, they're Lynchian. But I'm pretty sure they leave the capital L uh, for David Lynch. Yeah. And and when when did so like it, but that term is like said enough that it's you know it's like a common kind of common word or adjective in the film world. But when when would that lose its capitalization? And, and um, I mean, I think the the math. I th- honestly think the math thing. It might. It kind of is a quirk of spelling because it's really there are not many examples. But like a Kafka esque, I don't think is capitalized necessarily. Okay. Yeah. Or there's probably um, yeah that one yeah that yeah like uh, platonic or you know, like you know old enough people yeah Aristotelian yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I just, I just think it's really kind of a warped way that we view things. Um, I've mentioned this on the, the show before, but the most exciting thing, um, for a mathematician is to discover that something is not possible mm. because, you know, if something is possible, that's exciting for most people because then it could happen. But a mathematician knowing something is not and never will be possible is to know a lot. It's to know a fact that will never change that is not dependent on things like, you know, you say, oh, it's possible to break the sound barrier. It's like, okay, well, someone's going to build a plane eventually. But if you say it's not possible to do that, you'll know where you'll, you'll always know that it will never happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a more exciting thing. That's what really industries figuring out that things aren't possible and reducing people to objects, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> but they're cool objects. They're like not, they're not just like objects on a shelf. They're eternal, abstract, universal objects. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We chose this instead of Piss Jugman, who um, <laughs> has a different honor. <laughs> Tell us about Piss Jugman. Yeah. So <laughs> just, to, I, I chose this because I had the, I, I was coming under the impression that I needed to sort of like, make my average submission of topic a little more lowbrow. And then you decided to switch out Piss Jugman for this. Yeah, because I wanted to talk about the other thing too, but I guess I, I didn't have a whole lot of this else to say about it. Um yeah, I just I just discovered that there was a there's a restaurant rest stop on the road used by a lot of truckers that had such a problem with them pissing in jugs and leaving those around, I guess, not disposing property that they made a mascot named Piss Jugman 
to, I was going to say teach people about hygiene, but everyone knows how to piss in a bathroom. I don't know. Uh, like encourage but, but people to get I think their- it's more like put your piss jug in a proper place. Yeah. Like, clearly it's done out of desperation. Take, like, take it from me. Piss jug, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, but how do you piss in a jug? People need to know. Yeah. I guess, I guess I don't know. Maybe that's, uh, I should listen to good old piss. Do you think his parents named him piss? He was like the fifth of five boys and they were just running out of, okay, here's jam jug man. Here's beer. Yeah. yeah, He's Norwegian. You know, that's a normal name over there. You know, he kind of got shafted in the whole name thing, but I mean, the highest honor uh, piss jugman can have is to become, I don't know where I'm going with it. What is, what is like, is it depict, is piss depicted? I mean, yeah, he's, he's got a whole costume and everything. I guess that's not a good thing to raise for a podcast, but I guess you could put it a link in the notes or something. The surname piss. Surname piss. Is most commonly used in Poland, where it's held by 76 people or one in 500,000. Damn. And it's just P-I-S-S. Just- I, I do like if you search Piss Jugman, one of the one of the hits is Know Your Meme, and it says it's a fake mascot, which raises some <laughs> questions. But the very next link is an article titled, The Very Real Piss Jugman is on a mission to clean up something. Um, now I'm on Ancestry.com. What did your piss ancestors do for a living? What is the average piss lifespan? <laughs> Discover the unique achievements and ancestors. Of ancestors in the piss family tree. So I guess that that family did have their name reduced to an uncapitalized object. And, <laughs> you know, I'm sure they're, they, they love this honor. Oh, no. Okay. So I'm not looking at like, these are records for people whose names are P- like Maria Piss and Johan Piss. It was probably pronounced peace. No, <laughs> it's definitely piss. <laughs> I mean, and Anna Piss, and the, none of them have death records except for the people who died the same year they were born, and that was what I said. What? Oh no, about oh, life is life is precious. You know, you can't piss it away. Uh. <laughs> I guess we're we're on the topic of unconventional and uh, like object names. A funny thing that happened to me: I was like looking around for um, like census data on last names, and I found a site that wasn't very good that had a list and I downloaded it and it's like, there's a name missing here. Like you jump a rank and yeah, there's just like something is like something is off about your numbers. There's one thing missing in like the four thousands. I looked at the actual census data and it turns out that there is a name that is within the, I think top, I don't know if it was 500, 5,000 last names in the U S and that last name is null. (laughs) So real life Bobby tables moment for these these poor family, which probably has no end of trouble getting their name actually staying on records. Yeah. Is it null with one L or two? Two L's. <laughs> it would have to be, right? Yeah, I guess so. Are we, uh, are we ready for another topic? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my topic is polywater. Uh, polywater, I'm going to read from the Wikipedia page here. Polywater was a hypothesized polymerized form of water that was subject to scientific controversy in, during the late 1960s. By 1969, the popular press had taken notice and sparked fears of a polywater gap in the United States. So apparently this was discovered in 1961 by a Soviet physicist who discovered this new kind of water that had a higher viscosity than regular water, higher boiling point and a lower freezing point. And 
he started trying to isolate this, isolate as much of this water as he could. And this became a, a like a arms race where like, we're going to figure out, we've only got three gallons of, of poly water isolated, but the Soviets have 50 or something, you know, just, and, and what was the out, benefit of it? They, like- they, I don't think they had figured that out yet, <laughs> but it's this new kind of water that they have discovered. And it turns out that this was like water that the scientists had like sweated in. <laughs> and that was, that was why it had higher viscosity. Oh, man. You could probably sell that out of like a Japanese vending machine. <laughs> Soviet scientist sweat. And the, the, the isolation process was just like, oh, yeah, I got to sweat more into my equipment. Holy water gap. Wow. Yeah. Just like, well, when they have poly water, why can't we have poly water? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Stuck with this stupid mono water. I'm just so curious of why they like thought it was a good thing to have. Like, I read this article. There's so much water that if you can get water to do something slightly different, there's yeah. probably some engineering use for it. Right, lower freezing point. Uh, yeah, that's something. Yeah, maybe they thought maybe something to do with the maybe you the could, space yeah, race. They thought it could be useful. Maybe you could work it into an actual polymer and have like, like goopy water. So uh, the the Star Trek episode, The Naked Time, uh, one of the plot points is polywater intoxication. Hmm. That's pretty funny. They had, Star Trek came out in the right time to think that was real. Yes. <laughs> but but so it's not real. And But why did they? Yes. Right. But the it, would we expect like the sweat to like have give the water different properties? Like the fact that it was salt. Um, or like what was this thing? Is it just total? bogus like like i mean like like this this scientist like they were they earnestly thought they had discovered something yeah yes um and it's not clear to me what they thought was different about it other than like the sort of like you can there are liquids with a lower freezing temperature than water and you could just use those right Mm -hmm. i think they were just trying to figure out what was like this is a new kind of water there's got to be something interesting we can do with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that that was the pro- thought process. I mean, I can definitely relate to that thought process of, well, you could do this thing. And it's about something that's really fundamental to, you know, something like water. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, maybe one day we will make something that we'll call poly water. And we'll say it's yet another thing inspired from Star Trek. <laughs> How did you come across this? Like, uh, uh, were you like doing some Wikipedia dive, or did you I don't, know? I don't remember. Like this, this has been in the bucket for so long that I had okay. to go to Wikipedia <laughs> to remind myself yeah, what yeah. it was. It's funny because there's, there's very lit. Like it's actually a pretty meager Wikipedia page. Like, oh, oh yeah, no, this is the the in popular culture section is yeah, yeah. actually a story. There's a sci-fi story called the Polywater Doodle about an animal composed entirely of polywater. With the metabolism described by Richard Feynman. And the animal was called a doodle. Yeah, like a labradoodle, presumably. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there were other things like this that, like, triggered a, an immediate instinctive, like, you know, Cold War race, like space race-esque thing. I feel like cold fusion probably qualifies. Okay. Mm. Or even, like, like the, the room temperature superconductor thing that, that we... That was in the news recently. That turned out to not be a thing, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, it, it, I never followed that to its end. I, I've seen some more recent articles that are just like people trying to poke at it a certain way just in case there's like a bit of it that might work. Right. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. Oh, well. So we've got enough time for another topic, but yeah, we're, 
we've we've run out of topics in the bucket. Shall we pick another one from the extended bucket? Sure. Yeah. Is there is there anything that that you uh, you've been jonesing to talk about? Nope. You want to talk about Zoroastrianism? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I I shouldn't have put it in because I I surely am not an expert and I I don't have much to say about it. But I, I could give a brief overview of like what I do know about it. And then okay, I could also do a very brief thing about the trochaic trimeter. Okay, that sounds more interesting. What's that? All right, Alexander, your topic is my brain is polluted by trochaic trimeter recognition. So, um, you know the Jethro Tull song Aqualung. Yeah, my I after I don't know what how what triggered this or why, but um, the particular meter of the the like first line, um, I, I had to eventually look it up because it was driving me crazy. But um, it's Shakespeare writes an iambic pentameter, but this is trochaic trimeter, and the rhythm is da 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 da. Right, and anything like anything in that rhythm can be sung to that first part of Aqualung. There was even a part I was listening to Topic Lords and you were, I don't know, you were talking with Shannon and Alex about this uh, like visual novel game about doing your taxes. And one of you said that like filling out my taxes, not in that like tone, obviously, but <laughs> that's what my brain immediately did. Right. I'm not a very verbal thinker, but now it's, it's hard to avoid it whenever I'm just like lecturing and I'll say parallelopiped. And it's just like, it just, it, <laughs> once you get it, it just pops out at you. Um, and so then none of your students have heard this song. So they're like, what are yeah, you? Yeah. yeah. No, they, I've got like one or two that are around my age and none of them made any, uh, like, you know, had any recognition at all. Of yeah, course yeah. not. Um, um, okay. I had to diversify after a while. I realized that, um, you could also use the chorus to running with the devil by Van Halen, like <laughs> filling out my taxes or, um, the, uh, uh, taking care of business by Bachman Turner overdrive also uses that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So now you too can hear random phrases during your life and just in your mind, Singing like you know, parallelopiped every day. That kind. You know what I heard? Uh, I heard that staying alive is no longer considered to be the right rhythm for CPR. Oh, oh really? Like, now you're supposed to do CPR faster. I I feel like I just learned that fact, and it's already not true. <laughs> now I need now I need to know like what's the new song? Oh, uh -huh. it's going to be one we've never heard. <laughs> right. Well, yes. I mean. We're, someone's going to die because we're not hip. That's right. I I haven't been listening. I haven't been keeping up on pop music. Yeah. You know, it's staying alive where they say we can try to understand the New York Times effect on man. What does that mean? I I guess I never heard. I never paid attention to the lyrics of staying. Yeah, alive. those are that's a hard. There's some lyrics that I I always remember. Like they just because I can never figure out what they mean. Like there's this rap lyric where where um where, I forget the exact lyric, but he's like. I remember back in those days, spelling yogurt backwards, and like I just like it's a <laughs> riddle that I've I've never I've never solved the riddle, and like the, the that staying alive lyric is the same thing, right? I just that one's a, at least makes a little more sense. So, what? Yeah, I don't know, right? Like, what does that mean? Like, maybe it's just some weird inside joke or something. Remember the back in the back in the good days where we all had dyslexia? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like, those certain lyrics just. They're so perplexing that I could never forget. Oh, man. True Goy the Dove died this year. It's very sad. <laughs>
yeah, one one sort of sobering like growing up moment I had like a year or two ago is realizing that some of these songs they'll write lyrics and they never meant anything. Yes. They just sounded yeah. good. I just wish. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, wow. Okay, I suddenly hate a couple songs now. So this is what Genius.com is for, and here's what Genius has to say about we can try to understand the New York Times effect on man. Yeah. It says the New York Times is a United States newspaper. Founded and continuously published in New York City since 1851, the band has publicly stated that the song is about New York City. New York media has a remarkable influence on the world, so it should come as no surprise that in many ways it controls the daily life of a New Yorker. This is like, it has got 48 upvotes. Oh, but what if a person is like, but what is New York City? Why don't you hold my hand on that? Yeah, I mean, this is, I would say, not a great uh, annotation. I don't think this is very insightful. Mm. Well, maybe we just need to try to understand the New York Times effect to really get the lyric. You maybe want to search this yogurt backwards thing, and I can't find any. I can't even find the lyrics posted. I, I, I don't remember what the song was. Maybe you have to spell yogurt with an H. <laughs> yeah. Or it was. Is that not? Or without an H. The the I've, I've recently expanded my annoying kind of mental tick to... Um, uh, trochaic uh, tetrameter, which is the same thing, but four sets, because I realized that's the one for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, there's a whole XKZD comic where they just it, it finds just about like 30 different things like uh, San Diego City Council, just like and just done up in the, you know, written up in the font. And I also realize that's the meter for War Pigs by Black Sabbath. <laughs> so okay, you could, sure, you could say uh, like, um, God, how does that go? I could crack the True Boy thing. Yeah, it's true. The rapper True Boy. That's definitely what the yogurt backwards thing was talking. So about. you you could uh, that makes could, sense. Yeah, I I had a lot of fun because you can mash them together. Like generals gathered at their masses, just like witches act like masses. <laughs> Evil minds that plot destruction. Heroes oh. in a half shell. Turtle power. <laughs> can we can we camp out for a second that he rhymed masses with masses? Yep. <laughs> yep. Is, is that? I mean, you know, they're not. It's not the same masses. No. Right. No. But, but it, yeah, that's clearly not good. It is. Yeah, that's bad. It's bad form. Um the the poem that I was thinking of, which I don't know, we could save it for another time, but um, this is alliteration in. Instead of rhyming, that's interesting. I bet it would just sound ridiculous to us. We're kind of we're kind of hooked into rhyming at this point as a thing. We kind of expect it. I think if you just made a rap that was alliterative instead of rhyming, it would just sound like the most ridiculous thing. You gotta own it. You gotta. There just has to be one killer track that that uses yeah. alliteration instead of rhyming, and it changed the music world forever. Eminem once did a, a like a. He did three lines that rhymed on the second to last syllable and not the last. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you could probably make something like that work. That does sound like a good gimmick. Uh, that's all the time we have for Topic Lords. Uh, Alexander, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can't. Uh, Topic Lords Discord. Cool. Uh, and Daniel, if this, is something, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Topic Lords Discord. Yeah, hell yeah. High five. <laughs> yeah, we're all in there playing butter dorks. Yeah. Shout out. That's what I should have shouted out instead of cocoon. 
uh, Butterdorks. <laughs> I, I played it for 10 minutes as we were getting the show ready, but I was quite impressed, so congrats. Yeah, it's a solid arcade-style game. Yeah, yeah. I want to know what you are. What like That's my question to the creator, like, Am I a piece of butter? Is that why holding the hot knife eventually kills me? Like, what? I still have no idea what the fuck you guys are talking <laughs> about. I should check this out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to know what I am. And if I am butter, why am I killing other butter? Well, your name is the Colonel. Okay. Oh, maybe because I'll pop if I hold the hot. Knife I, th- I think that's me. Ma- yeah, that's my yeah. guess. Okay. And and the the bags at the bottom of the screen are full of your corpses. Yeah. Okay. Yep. There's also a cat named Jorts that's a playable character. Oh, wow. I, I don't think the cat is popcorn. I never unlocked the cat. <laughs> uh, this game, I don't know if it's going to be out by the time that this episode is out, like in any public form, but I'm going to uh, pressure Corey into making it happen. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, always nice. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!